Well, it wasn't neat and it wasn't pretty, but how many of you are glad he came anyway? Yeah? Yeah. Well, I want to welcome you uh, to our Christmas Eve service. We're so glad that you came. You know, Christmas Eve um, is about family. It really is. I, I think of family more than probably any other holiday. And uh, so I want to welcome those of you who are a part of the, Chris, uh, the Seacoast family who are gathered in auditoriums uh, throughout South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia, and uh, literally all over the world through the Internet. Um, I'm glad that you're here with us, uh, in spirit at least, in this place uh, tonight. It was an amazing, amazing night, December the 24th, 1914. The armies of several uh, countries had been engaged in the bloodiest battle that the world had ever seen up to that point. We look back on it now and we call it World War I. In the few months since it had started, tens of thousands of young men and women had died. The battle lines had stalemated along what was called the Western Front, which stretched uh, from the English Channel 300 miles uh, to the Swiss border. Both sides were hunkered down that night in muddy trenches, facing each other, lobbing artillery and shooting at anything that moved. Between the two opposing uh, sides, there was a piece of real estate, a chunk of land, that they called no man's land. Uh, It was measured about half the size of a football field, and it was littered uh, with the bodies of dead from previous battles. Uh, No one was foolish enough or so brave as to retrieve them for proper burial uh, because uh, they, they would find themselves in the same plight. The fall rains, the winter cold, and the constant threat of death made the trenches on that night a miserable, miserable place to be. The men were weary, they were frustrated, they were dispirited. Uh, They had either forgotten or didn't care about why they were there. The Germans were there to defend their, quote, superior culture. The English were there simply because they had agreed by a treaty to assist the Belgians and the French. But the men on both sides had long forgotten that. All they wanted was to go home for Christmas. And then something incredible happened. The Germans, who are widely known as kind of the developers or the inventors of what we know now as the Christmas tree, shipped thousands of of like little tabletop Christmas trees to the front lines. In the trees there were clips for little candles and uh, what they did was they wanted them to uh, cheer up their troops and they wanted them to place them on the parapets or the kind of the, the wall that held up the trench where they were at. And so at sunset that night the soldiers, the German soldiers began lighting their Christmas trees and they started to sing. They sang a song that had been written by a German priest about a hundred years before, and I think you're probably pretty familiar with it. It's called Silent Night. Well, the Allied forces heard something going on, and rather than shooting at the now brightly lit Germans, a few of them crawled out into no man's land to watch. And as they saw 
a little bit more and they began to hear what was happening, a few of them even began to sing and then many began to sing because that was probably the most popular of the Christmas carols that transcended cultures at the time. They sang and then soon they put down their guns and kind of hesitantly went on across and they met in the middle and they even exchanged gifts of cigarettes or food or whatever they had. And then they began to, to deal with, with the dead that were there. And they cleared the fields and they took them and they had um, kind of impromptu burial services where actually men from both sides attended. And uh, once the field was cleared, uh, no man's land became a place where they could kind of hang out. And so mysteriously, soccer balls appeared and games started. In fact, they said that there were as many as 50 on 50, the allied side against the other side playing soccer together. The troops were mesmerized by the miraculous Christmas peace. It was sort of like a a waking dream that they could hardly believe. And so they began to write home about it. And their, their friends and family at home then ultimately told their friends. And it got in the newspapers and it got back to those who were leading the war. And they were furious that any such thing had happened. They put an end as best they could to any further spontaneous truces. But for one miraculous night, one miraculous silent night, Peace broke out where war had ruled. A candlelight and a song, a common song, brought opposing armies to demonstrate the power of Christmas on that most holy night, December 24th, 1914. Now, over the last few weeks at Seacoast, we've been uh, in a series uh, that we called Christmas Playlist, where we ask you guys, what are your favorite Christmas carols? And then we, uh, every week we would study kind of what they say about God, that, that particular one, and what it says about us. And so on this night, which is um, my favorite holiday of the year, I just love being here with you. What I want to do is I want to take just a few minutes and I want to look at Silent Night and see if there aren't some things that we can learn about God and about ourselves from the words of the song. Three simple lessons, and let me give you the first one. The first one is this. God has a way of bringing peace out of chaos. God has a way of bringing peace out of chaos. You know, I thought about that this week. If Mary and Joseph could be here and and really read the lyrics to the song Silent Night, what do you think they'd say about it? Let let, let me read them to you, just the the first verse, and then let's kind of put them in, in the place and... What would they say? It says, silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Is that how it was? Let's say this. If someone wrote a song about the night your first child was born, would they be able to call it silent night? Or would they title it, Awful Night? Or perhaps, Take the Baby Back to the Nursery Night? Or, The Night I Almost Killed My Husband? One of those, you know, that's kind of how it goes, I think. We have a way of kind of idealizing that first Christmas, don't we? The truth was, 
As we kind of saw in the film earlier, it was anything but a silent night. It was probably a chaotic night. It was probably an uncertain night. I mean, really, look at the first verse. Sleep in heavenly peace. Jesus slept through the first night? Really? I mean, I, I, I haven't seen, when's the last time that happened? You say, well, he was God. Yeah, but he was a baby. You know, he's hungry and all of those kinds of things. I, I doubt that much sleep went on in that little manger or around the manger that night. How do you know that the birth of a child under the best circumstances can bring unexpected chaos? Um, one year ago, one year ago next week, uh, my family, um, we, we were going to take just a little bit of time off and a couple of days, and so we went to Atlanta. That's what we do for fun. And um, uh, our two daughters and their husbands decided to go with us, and and uh, so we got to Atlanta, and we decided to go shopping, you know, post-Christmas, as if we hadn't done enough shopping. Uh, guess whose idea that was? And not mine. And so we went to Ikea. And at Ikea, all of a sudden, my youngest grandson decided to make his debut six weeks early. Can I tell you, our lives were thrown into a temporary chaos. What are we going to do now? We weren't expecting this. What do you do when your grandchild is about to be born in Ikea? Who do we know? Where are the hospitals? I haven't even gotten my Swedish meatballs yet. You know, I mean, all of those things. There was chaos that day. And there was chaos in Israel. There was chaos in Mary and Joseph's life that night. And I thought about that. And probably in a crowd of this size... There's probably a little chaos in some of your lives right now. You know, it, it, it may be about a pregnancy. Or it may be about a change in status on your, your Facebook status. Some of you know, there's always a story behind a change in status. And usually it's painful. And you may be there right now. It may be a relational deal. It, it could be job-related, a change in status there that you weren't expecting. Or it could be a health change and we could make a whole kind of laundry list of things that cause unsettledness and just a bit of chaos but here's 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 what i know out of the chaos 2000 years ago came the jesus the prince of peace and he's here tonight he's here in this place he's here wherever you happen to be gathered to bring peace that's what he does See, you may be surprised by your current circumstances, but God's not. You know, uh, we studied in school that God is omniscient. That's one of the things that He is, which means He knows everything that has happened. He knows everything that is happening today. And He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It's real hard to surprise an omniscient God. He ne- he's never had a day where He said, I never saw that one coming. Now, you may not have seen it coming, But he did, and here's the truth about that. If God knew your circumstance before they happened, then God is already at work on a solution before you even know there's a problem. And with that in mind, you can settle in your heart tonight that the Prince of Peace has come, and he's here, and he has a way of bringing peace out of chaos. And that's the first lesson. The second lesson from this simple song is this. God has a way of bringing hope out of fear. Bringing hope out of fear. 
The second verse of the song has to do with when this angel and then a whole group of angels shows up to uh, some unsuspecting uh, shepherds and announces good news. It says, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. I imagine if you knew what quake meant, you'd do it too. let Let me read the scriptures behind it from where it came from. Luke 2 and verse 8. It says, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. So you're a shepherd, right? You're minding your own business. Same old, same old. It's another night in Bethlehem. Nothing new tonight. We're just watching the sheep, trying to stay awake. And all of a sudden, there's this bright light and there's this great big shiny thing. I don't know what it is. And it's shouting to you, don't be afraid. You say, oh, I'm not afraid. The fact that I just wet myself is actually an indicator of my excitement, not fear. Okay? Not fear. The truth is, the shepherds were getting great news. They just didn't know it yet. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had that happen? Not, not, not angels and all of that, but have you ever gotten great news that you had a hard time getting your head around at first? You know, that didn't sound like good news. For instance, maybe you got l- laid off at a job. We've all... Uh, Well, most of us have. I've I've had it several times. And and I I can remember one time getting laid off at a job and thinking, this is terrible. How can this happen? This is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me and my family right now. And six months later, look back and go, no, that was actually a good thing. Have you ever had anything like that happen? It was good news that you had a hard time getting your head around because it didn't sound like good news at the time. I've got... Many friends, some in this church, that when they had a baby born, the doctor told them that uh, your child is a special needs child. If that happened to you, you thought, this is not good news. And then you felt guilty about the feelings that you're feeling right now, but you're just human. And finally, you get your head around it. And I've, I've talked to several friends who maybe two years later, would say, I would never change a thing. It didn't look like good news, but it was. Or maybe it was in a relationship and you got dumped and it was the love of your life and you're hurting and those things do and they're devastating and you're wondering if, you know, the right one will ever come along or whatever and you knew that that was the one. And and then two years later, in the words of the great theologian Garth Brooks, you say, I thank God for unanswered prayers. If you ever, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. That person <laughs> might be here, actually. You know, but there is times when, when the news is it's just really hard to put, put together. It's, it's not good news in any stretch of the imagination. But you know what? Even when the news is not so good, God can rewrite the ending. That's why I love one of my favorite verses is Romans 8.28, which says, And we know, and we know, that God causes everything, not just some things, not just the good things, 
Not just the kind of good things that kind of seem to, okay, you can go, yeah, I know somebody that went through that and it looked okay. No, he says everything. The really, really tragic stuff even. He says, I know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I love that verse. And anytime I or one of my family members or people that I love in this church that I'm ministering to or going through difficult times, we, we go back to that and say, we know this. It's hard to get our head around at first, but we know that God is able to take anything and work it out for our good. Tonight, if you're facing fears, I want to challenge you, don't be afraid. Christmas is a reminder that God brings hope out of fears. And then there's, there's, there's one more verse. And here's the simple lesson from it. God has a way of bringing love out of despair. Look at the last verse. It says, Silent night, holy night. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. The dawn of redeeming grace. Do you know anybody in your life who always knows exactly the right gift to give you without you even having to ask? It's really handy when you're married to that person. <laughs> My wife is not. <laughs> I, uh, I have a difficult time, you know, remembering. I have to, you know, keep a list throughout the year. I have to look for clues. Usually she has to thump me and say, that was a clue. Okay, you know, <laughs> rip the page out. Show me what it is. But it's great when you've got somebody that, um, that knows just the right gift to give. I love giving to my kids. Uh, the other night, last night actually, I'd gone somewhere and, um, you know, we have, those of you who know us know that we have nine grandchildren. The oldest one's four years old. So we're very familiar with chaos. They all live right around here. And uh, so Christmas is very, very interesting because you buy not one gift, you times it by nine. And I walked in last night and Debbie was wrapping gifts because that's one of the things she doesn't allow me to do. It's just, I, just, I try my best, but it just it evidently doesn't look quite good enough. But anyway, um, so, so she's wrapping gifts and she's got nine pairs of PJs. Nine. And I mean, that didn't sound like anything, but I walked in and I just started laughing. You know, it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. We, re- we really are in this situation. And they're all going to come over in a couple of days and it's going to be absolute chaos. And I love to watch them open the gifts. Love giving gifts to kids. Well, you know what? God knows exactly what you need. And he loves giving gifts to his kids. Just the right gift. In fact, in, uh, when Jesus was uh, doing uh, ministry, uh, he was uh, speaking to a group of people who were having a hard time trusting that God is good. You know anybody like that? That every once in a while wonders whether God is good or not? And we all have a hard time submitting our will to God because we question, God, are you, are you really for me? Are you really good? And he was with a, a group of people like that. And he said this in Matthew seven eleven. He says, if you sinful people, you sinful people, who's he talking to? He's talking to us. Now, in this series, those of you who are not at Seacoast, um, you aren't aware, but Seacoasters know that we've pretty well defined that all of you guys are pretty, pretty healthy sinners, really. Uh, it's kind of a, in fact, it's a whole church full of sinners, to be honest with you. And, and if, if, if you're pretty pure, you probably don't belong here. Uh, uh, you'll mess up the whole kind of composition of the deal. But uh, 
he, he, would be, he would be talking to us. He would say, those of you who are here at Seacoast tonight, you sinful people, he did not putting them down, just making a, a case, just telling the truth. Know how to give, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father, who is not sinful, who has no selfishness, who only thinks about the good of others, he says, how much more your heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask Him. So God knows exactly what you need this Christmas. And here's what we need. Every one of us in this place, we need love. We need to know that there is someone who loves us unconditionally. You know, I try to do the best that I can, loving other people, even my family unconditionally, but there's always just a tiny bit of selfishness in there. A lot less than you guys, you know, but there's a little bit. A little bit of selfishness. But God loves you unconditionally. And He wants, to, he wants you to experience that. Whether you know Him or not, He wants you to experience His unconditional love. He knows that you need that. He knows that you need grace. And He knows that you need forgiveness. That little kid was writing a letter to Santa. And uh, he starts it out, Dear Santa, there are three boys living at my house. Jeffrey is two, David is four, and Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time, David is good some of the time, and Norman is good all of the time. Signed, Norman. (laughs) Here's the problem. None of us are Norman. Okay? Listen, if we could play everything that you thought, said, and did during the year 2011, and we could put them up on big screens, most of us would be embarrassed. Because nobody's perfect. And that's why we need a Savior. Christmas is a time when everybody wants his past forgotten and his presence remembered. And that's why God gave to the world on that first Christmas through Jesus Christ was a new beginning. It was the dawn of redeeming grace. And God wants to give us a new beginning. He gave us a Savior. The question is, what have you done with that? Have you received it? You know, um, I've been doing this for, I think this is the 24th Christmas Eve season at Seacoast. And I love the service. I love the music. I love thousands of people gathering just to be a part of the Spirit and to honor God. I also know that every one of us are here for different reasons. Uh, Some of us are here because we just come to church all the time, you know? And we said, hey, we're going to have Christmas Eve services. And and, and you said, you marked your calendar, you said, I'm I'm coming because I always come. For some of you, that may be the one time or two times that you come during the year. Uh, others, uh, m- maybe you um, got an invitation or maybe somebody personally invited you to come. It doesn't matter why you're here regardless. Here's what I know. It's not an accident. In fact, since the beginning of time, the omniscient God who knows everything in the past, everything in the present, and everything in the future, He knew that you would be here. So he could get you to be quiet long enough during this busy 
time and in your busy life to hear him say, I love you. You matter to me. I was there when you were formed in the womb. I've heard every heartbeat that you've had. I know your joys. I know your tears. I know your sadness. I know when you've been good. And I know when you haven't. I know the things that you're ashamed of and the things that you're proud of. And I want to say to you, I love you. I have a purpose for your life. And I want you to know me like I know you. See, that's what God would say to each person in here today. You know, all of us probably would fit into three lists. The first list would be believers. And most of the people who are gathered here and will be gathered here this weekend, you would call yourself a believer. At some point in your life, you have you know, acknowledged that God is real and that you want to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. There's another list, and that list would be seekers. In other words, you really have not connected the dots as far as they haven't been connected for you as far as is, is, there, is God really God or maybe is Jesus the Son of God? And I want to I, I say to you, I'm, I'm glad you're here. This is a great place to kind of process that. The only thing I would warn you is don't make a lifetime of just being a seeker. Let God draw you and... Um, and, and, and continue to move forward in your spiritual journey. And then there are some of us here who we have fallen away. Something happened at some point. We were following God. Maybe there was a disappointment that came into our life and we didn't understand why did this happen. And if I just, I, I got a, a, a text today from a guy that I know that had a tragedy in his life this week and asking some really, really hard questions. And I could sense this could be one of those turning points for him that if, if he doesn't really pursue and seek, it's possible that he could turn away at this point. Or maybe you just got so busy that, you know, a relationship with God wasn't such a big priority for you. Well, here's God's word for you today. Let's come home. Come home for Christmas. God wants you to be a part of His family. God has more for you. In fact, I would say that about everybody in here. God has more for you than what you've experienced. Jesus in John 10, 10 said, I have come that they, they as you and I, I have come that you, they, may have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, that, that's probably uh, uh, as big a scripture as any that drove me and the team that started this church to start Seacoast Church so that we could help people experience the life that Jesus has for them. In fact, uh, starting in January, we're going to start a new series here and uh, we're calling it Immeasurable. Uh, every every uh, service, in fact, we'll do it tonight too, I'm sure. At the end of the service, we give a blessing that says something like this. God is able to do immeasurably more than all that you could ask or imagine. And so we're going to do a series, we're going to break that down, that God is able to do immeasurably more in your life 
through your life, through your family and in the workplace and, and just kind of discover it. And I'd love to invite all of you to be a part of it. But I'm saying that to say this, God has more for you. And if you will pursue Him, the Bible says that you will find Him and He will reward you. You know, um, on Christmas Day, we're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Who ever heard of a birthday party where everybody gives gifts to each other and not to the birthday boy? If you come over to my house on my birthday in January, bring a gift for the man, okay? I mean, you guys can... Give gifts to each other, it's okay, but I mean, that's just, that's kind of what we do on Christmas. And so, and so you say, well, uh, you know, I want to do what's right. I mean, how do you give a gift to God? He's got everything. Well, he's got most things, but there is one thing that he doesn't have that you kind of control, and that's you. He doesn't have your life unless you give it to him. And so I want to challenge you this Christmas and tonight to bring God the best gift that you can give Him. And that's you. In fact, in just a few minutes here and at the campuses, wherever you might be, we're going to give you an opportunity just to talk to God. I want to challenge you just to whisper a prayer to Him. Maybe get up and go to a cross. Your campus pastor will give you some instruction on that. And just say to God, God, here am I. I want to know You. I don't understand all about it, but I want to know you. I want to give you the gift of myself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, tonight for your word. I thank you for just your nature, that you are a giving God, that you are a loving God, that you give good gifts to your kids. And so God, in these next few moments, I just pray that you would nudge our hearts and our spirits as to how we can respond to you so that you can work in our lives in ways that we can't even imagine. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this house and in houses where people are gathered uh, throughout the states and around the world. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.